You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. It's Monday, August 16th. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. How you can help lobby for 1031 exchanges to remain the same. Looking at how multifamily is doing while eviction deadlines loom. Last week, we talked about how single-family home builders are moving towards build-to-rent single-family homes. Now, a major institutional investor is placing a bet on the market's future. And a COVID update for Oregon and Washington. We'll be back with the details on these stories and more in just a moment. HFO's podcasts are sponsored by Gantry Incorporated, the country's largest independent mortgage banking firm focused exclusively on commercial real estate. HFO is your leading multifamily real estate firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. On August 11th, the U.S. Senate approved an amendment to preserve Section 1031 in its current form. The amendment was offered by Senator Kennedy of Louisiana as part of the budget resolution, and it passed by unanimous voice vote. While the passage of this amendment for the 2022 budget resolution to retain like-minded exchanges is very encouraging, the work is far from over. It's still possible that the final budget reconciliation bill could contain limits on Section 1031 exchanges. Remember that the House will weigh in still on the final bill. It is good news that property owner voices are being heard, but we can't let our advocacy efforts wane. Section 1031 will be in the line of fire of Congress when it turns to the budget reconciliation bill starting in September. Work must continue to ensure that Section 1031 is preserved. Remember to keep up the pressure. Contact your senator or congressman today and tell them that you want 1031 exchange preserved. The apartment industry is facing a national spotlight related to potential waves of evictions as multifamily fundamentals are hitting unprecedented heights. Larger, professionally managed properties that cater to more upscale tenant base are performing better than assets and tenants in smaller properties. What's more, this exposes the vulnerabilities in the rental housing market, such as the need for better aid mechanisms, the need to relax limitations on supply, and the need for better data in the middle market segment. That must all be fixed to solve the nation's longstanding housing woes. One argument for ending the eviction moratorium bans is that they have contributed to an eye-popping rise in apartment rents in 2021. Year-to-date through July, multifamily market rent asks jumped 8.3%, the largest increase in decades, according to Yardi Matrix. Year-over-year, asking rents are up more than 10% in nearly half of the top 30 metros, while rents are rebounding rapidly in gateway markets that saw steep drops during the pandemic. Rent growth is being driven by intense demand. In the 12 months through June, 423,000 multifamily units have been absorbed nationally, the highest 12-month total in the past two decades. That has pushed U.S. occupancy rates of stabilized properties to 95.3% in June, up by 60 basis points year-over-year and close to record high levels. There are a host of reasons for the surge in multifamily performance. There's pent-up demand in household formation that was delayed by COVID-19 in 2020. Some renters are staying in their apartments due to the surge in single-family house prices. As both institutional and individual investors bid up prices for rental houses, the recovering economy, government stimulus, and the growth in personal savings during the pandemic have helped to create strong household balance sheets for people who remained employed. A small reduction in multifamily rent payments doesn't pretend to an eviction crisis. The news about smaller properties isn't good, however. A survey by Washington, D.C.-based Urban Institute found that since March 2020, 87 to 90% of residents in properties with five or less units have paid rent each month, which is a higher rate of non-payment than professionally managed units. 
Smaller rental properties are more likely to be owned by mom and pop investors that have lower rents than institutionally owned apartments. The Urban Institute says there are 6.2 million rental units in the two to four building range with an average rent of about $940 a month, well below the 1510 average for institutional properties. Individual investors own about 77% of smaller building units, a much higher percentage than the large properties, according to the Urban Institute. That strong multifamily performance exists side-by-side with renter distress, illustrates not only the bifurcated state of the market, but points to areas of badly needed improvement in the U.S. housing market. One issue is that better aid mechanisms for rent-challenged households are needed. A large percentage of households that spend more than 30% of their income on housing is a problem that has been ignored for some time and will only get worse at the cost increases for buying and renting houses far exceed the growth of inflation or GDP. Last week, we talked about how single-family home builders are moving towards the build-to-rent single-family home market. One of the nation's largest commercial real estate brokers is investing more than half a billion dollars in single-family rental houses in a needle-moving deal that signals both global investors' approval of the property type that's quickly been gaining popularity. JLL said it bought a 47% stake in a portfolio of more than 4,000 single-family home rentals. JLL, the world's second-largest commercial real estate firm, acquired a stake from an undisclosed seller for about $560 million based on an overall portfolio valuation of $1.2 billion. JLL's investment in single-family rentals is a strong validation of the kind of housing that's gained popularity in recent years, especially during the pandemic. The properties cater to rapidly expanding residential demographic of young professionals, couples with families who want the advantages of a home without the mortgage, homeowner expenses, and permanents that come with buying. Roughly 80% of the homes are in Atlanta, Dallas, and Phoenix. Single-family rentals also allow buyers to avoid having to put down a large payment that's required for home purchase a move that young Americans say they are finding difficult to accomplish because of increasing amounts of college debt. A slew of home builders have also expanded into the property type recently. Lennar Corp., the nation's second largest home builder, entered the market this year when it formed Upward America Venture to buy more than $4 billion in new single-family homes and and townhouses built by Lennar and potentially other builders. Next week, we will be discussing how single-family rental building could possibly be affecting Oregon and Washington in the near future. And lastly, a COVID update for Oregon and Washington. Oregon resumes its statewide mask update. Chinomish County does the same. And vaccines are now mandatory for many state and health workers in both Oregon and Washington. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. The next will be an interview with Sean Church, editor of Random Links Magazine, talking about the out-of-control lumber prices in 2021. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hfore.com.